Pivot Masters podcast. I am your host, Ashley Ranasingha. I am so excited that you are here with us today. We have a really fantastic story of um, someone who I had the pleasure of briefly working with. I mean, by brief, six weeks we had uh, together and it was amazing. She left such a lasting and positive impression with me um, that I, yeah, I was just so tickled, so grateful that she was willing to make the time to talk with me here on Pivot Masters podcast. But before we get to that, I want to talk a little bit about Pivot Masters. So Pivot Masters is a podcast platform where we create positive conversation around career pivoting. We, as a um, as a unit, as a business, believe that career pivoting is on the rise. Uh, we are seeing trends in interview styles and techniques uh, that reflect this. Companies are becoming, not all, but there there is a movement to become more open-minded about transferable skills and previous experience and recognizing that career pivoting is a thing, it's happening, and it's not going anywhere any, anytime soon. So we are here to create positive conversations, share resources, tips, um, support, and inspiring stories. And you have stumbled upon one of our inspiring stories episodes. So um, we will be speaking with a guest who has pivoted her career. She is an amazing human being and she's going to share some dreams that she has. And I, you know what? Yeah, I just want, um, I'll say this, we definitely need to do a follow-up interview with this person. Um, so without further ado, I want to introduce Rachna Matur. She is the founder of STEMology Club, and um, and she's doing some amazing things. So hear a little bit about her journey and how she ended up with her business. Um, yeah, it, it takes some twists and turns, so buckle up, get ready. Here is my friend, Rachna. I want to make sure we get get rolling on this. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I'm excited. Yay! <laughs> I'm excited. I'm really excited to hear your story because I remember when I interviewed you for ID, <laughs> like being like this person, I relate to the, the varied sides of your brains and constantly accessing them. Um, <laughs> and I, I, yeah, I'm excited to hear you kind of dive I feel like deeper. My my story probably picks up right about from our interaction. The pivot might have happened right there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's a good point, right? I mean, all right, well, let's, let's before we dive too deep, let's start at the beginning and then all we'll right. kind of move from there. Okay, so we're going to start off with um, kind of the deep end of the pool, and then we'll just, I'll just kind of follow up with additional questions as we go, okay? Sounds good. Uh, first question is, I'd like you to say your full name as you'd like me to pronounce it on the air. Okay. Rachna Matur. So yeah, Matur. That's right. Okay. All right. Yeah, you got it. You've got all the hard names. I mean, for you. (laughs) You gotta say your own hard name. Yeah. (laughs) 
It took me a while to confidently say my own name now. Um, but <laughs> well, that's something I remember is you're really good about that when we met because you just had such an exposure of this diverse kind of outlook, I guess. So you'd said my name properly right from the beginning. All right, my dear. So I'd like to hear a summary of your career so far. Okay, and um, let me know if it gets a little long or too short or if you want to add something more to it. But when I thought of that question um, and people, when they ask me this question, which is, you know, what do you do? That's that's a tough one for me sometimes. So Mm -hmm. I always start with kind of this one-liner summary of what I believe encompasses who I am and connects back to my career path too. And I say that I always start with, I am an artist, artist first, then an engineer, a teacher, a tinkerer, and a dreamer and a lifelong learner. And I think that encompasses every stage of my past, present, and possibly future, especially with a lifelong learner. So um, I thought about how how do I see my life? And I kind of divided it up into, I think, like five major chunks of mm-hmm. my career path. And yeah. pre the mainstream career, I guess, if if you want to say the classic, what you mean by career life. Um, Prior to that, what led me to where I'm at, I started out, you know, I grew up in Jersey and um, immigrant parent story, $8 in the pocket, my dad, American dream, that kind of a thing. Mm -hmm. And um, eventually they, they moved us back to India and I went and did my high school in India. And that's where I think I learned my first um, of the harder lessons, which was, um, I had to adapt or die. And it wasn't like a literal die. I, I have those scenarios, which I'll talk about later, but it was literally an adapt to this situation of living here, or I was just not going to survive this place. And that's where I kind of learned to work hard and persevere. Uh, it's not always been rosy. Um, I eventually, I went to college at Arizona State Universe, University, and I did my bachelor's in computer science. And oddly enough, the very first job that I had there would probably set me on the path of where my next pivot would be. Um, And it was the first job I had was teaching C++ to um, college students who were actually older than me. And I had barely learned it myself, but little did I know that maybe that was my calling. I just didn't know. And so I kind of... um, Went through my degree. I, I got a job as an intern. My very first job in this pre-mainstream career life, as I would call it still, was at Intel. That was one of my first major jobs, I guess, mm-hmm. to put it that way. And that was um, my third year of college. I got that big break to work at Intel as an intern for about eight months. So I, I dropped school for eight months to go ahead and work full time. And then I think it was, that, it was called a co-op. And then I came back. And when I, um, you know, they offered me a full-time job while I was in school, I just, one, I, I couldn't do it together with school. I did try to finish my degree, but secondly, again, something that should have told me something, it was so boring, <laughs> but yet I continued my degree and completed it in software engineering. And somewhere along the way, I also did like some internship with Honeywell as a business analyst. And I have no idea why, but I did. And I did that as well. And you know, that, that all happened. I finished my degree and then I went into my next stage, which should have according to my parents and others around me, should have been working, but I actually didn't work. I called it my rebel stage. I don't know why. I didn't want to work or I'm not sure what was happening. Uh, I went to India for my friend's wedding and I got there and I remember um, I saw this artist perform, a classical Indian dance form. I saw her once in the U.S. 
Mm. Mind you, I have never danced before my 20s. I never danced before my 20s. I was that loser child who didn't know how to dance. And um, I, I saw this artist and I get to my best friend's wedding and I said, can I learn from her? And I called her just this random punk American kid and said, will you teach me in my 20s? The same art form the kids learn at like, you know, the eight, like my daughter learns at the age of five. I'm learning at right. 20 now. And so I called my parents and I said, I'm not coming back home. And I spent the next three months, instead of getting a job, probably that I should have with Intel maybe, I spent the next three months um, learning Kathak which is a classical Indian dance form. And I used to dance five to seven hours a day. Um, and then one day, you know, I had to come back home. So I finished my training. It was just a three month. It was like an initial start to the training. I came back to the U.S. and um, I just didn't know what to do. So I continued learning Kathak and I started doing my master's in computer science. Don't know why, but that's what I did. <laughs> I still, there was an element that I loved. I loved the engineering, the problem solving. Um, I was never quite the fit for being in front of the computer all, at all times, but you know, I enjoyed it at that time. And that's where the third stage of my life happened. Um, it was the big job decade is what I call it. The big job mm. decade. Cause that was a decade of my life went into working at Intel. So yeah. in my master's, I think it was my first year in my master's, a friend of mine who I studied with in, in my bachelor's in engineering, he offered me an opportunity in a software engineering role at Intel. And, uh, you know, I loved it. It was it was great for that. I, I did it for six years as an engineer, a software engineer. And I think in the six years when I realized, you know, this isn't an exact fit for someone like me, but it did take me six years. <laughs> but I loved it while I did it. My favorite yeah. part was working with customers and talking to them and understanding mm -hmm. their problems. And I love taking that problem and trying to solve it and make a solution. And, and my solutions were in the form of software or algorithms, basically. Yeah. Well, I think when I finally hit that point, that maybe you would call this like a pivot at this point, I switched into marketing. And I, I had an opportunity to go within Intel into marketing. I call it kind of like a semi-pivot because it was still technical marketing and it was still within my realm of understanding, but it was definitely a different role. Like most of the people who were in that role had like some sort of business background. I didn't. And I, you know, I would say I kind of failed at it fantastically for the first six months <laughs> until, you know, again, it was like, I, at that point it was like, I better adapt or I'm going to die in this role. So mm -hmm. I adapted and I just, I had to make it work. And, you know, that, that's kind of what happened, got married. Um, and then I remember getting a call from ASU saying, you're going to lose your master's degree if, unless you finish it. Cause I hadn't finished my degree. I quit in between. Aww. Yeah. And so when, when they, they said, you're going to lose it, it's been, I actually finished it five years later and, um, five years after starting it, I completed my, um, master's in computer science and I actually chose focusing on arts, media, and engineering as the focus in my degree. Well, all this happened and I thought I was going to go into some sort of, you know, media or even film. I was really interested yeah. and I was pregnant and I moved to London. And so <laughs> life changed. And that was my like fourth stage of my career life. And I'll call that career still because motherhood and mixed work is what I call that phase. I literally was, um, you know, this is where my reconnect happened into my upcoming education life that I was going to have. Having a baby, quitting, um, moving to London, and I moved to London for my husband's job. It wasn't as glamorous as everyone thought it was going to be. Um, when, you, when you end up, especially 
new baby, new mom. Um, and while we traveled a lot and stuff, and that was interesting, it's not as easy to connect with people who want to connect with you for you versus because you have babies. And so, you know, despite as, as chatty as I am, I found it difficult to connect with people and just kind of even make friends. So I would spend my entire day and days and weeks walking with my little, my daughter who was only one and talking to her about everything around us. I was literally educating through the streets of London. And I found that like, I, I was good at it. I loved it. It was quite fun. Um, and this was just my kid. And after, you know, a couple of years living there, I moved back to the U S I moved to Austin, where's where, where I eventually met you. Yes. And before meeting you before, um, in that, this is my mixed work life. I started helping small, um, art companies, art and education companies with their work. And yeah. so there was a Bollywood company, my brother's Bollywood company in Austin. Um, I don't know if you remember them, I, but yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And, and say the name of the, that company again. So we can yeah. yeah. It, it's Agni Dance Company. So A-G-N-I, Agni means fire, Agni Dance Company. And I, you know, he, wanted help originally with a software. So I used to help, like I ported them all from like being on Excel into, uh, into a piece of software that they could run the school on. And I helped grow the school, but then I would also teach dance. dance. And, yeah. and that's the first time I started teaching dance. That was my first experience. Even though I had been learning dance throughout, I didn't necessarily teach it as like a sort of a profession, I guess, you know? Yeah. Um, and it was a form of teaching. You know, we had 200 students in the academy by the time I left it. And that's when I think that definitely hit my education space or love for it. And then I saw ID Tech and I thought, this looks, this is, you know, this is, this is tech, this is teaching. I understand both things. That's kind of converging. That's where I started was my first job was teaching. Um, and I applied for that role with you to teach. Mm -hmm. And you said to me, well, why don't you be the director for, you know, the ID Tech Austin? And it's so funny because I had been at this point removed from, uh, like a formal work lifestyle. I was kind of freelancing is what I call it. Uh, yeah. I wasn't sure of myself and you really kind of, that's my, I think that's my major pivot. It was when I first became a director for ID Tech at Austin and mm -hmm. I got to work with students and young staff, college student staff. It was so exciting and invigorating. That's really where the pivot happened for me. Yeah. And I, after that's really where my next stage happened, I left Austin, mm -hmm. had my second baby. And here is where I'm at today in this, I think it's the fifth stage of my life. I'm called the aspiring educator stage. And mm -hmm. I last year, or I guess not last year, now 2019, Jan, is when I started my own STEM education company called Stemology Club, where um, my mission, you know, maybe it's a larger than life mission or this idealistic notion of world change, but the idea to the mission of this, of the company is to be able to provide a world-class STEM education to anyone, any, any child in any of any walk of life, you know, that's including whatever the diversity, we're looking at equity, inclusion, anything. So that's, that's the mission. And I started small and teaching after school coding mm -hmm. circuits, tech, and, uh, just trying to make it through COVID a little bit virtual, a little bit on pause. <laughs> and yes. that's where I'm at today. That's where my career path has brought me to is now my own company. That's awesome. I, I love that this is where we're speaking too, right? Is at this point where you, you have your own thing and 
Um, and it does have some, you know, mirrored reflection to the time that we met um, and yes. together, working together. I love that. Yeah, absolutely. I kind of, I chose, you know, I could have gone back to Intel. I had other kind of corporate opportunities, but sure. I, I just couldn't see myself in that space. And then I think I, I've had this mantra with Nelson Mandela's quote, which really I think has embodied how I feel about education. As Education is the most powerful weapon you can use to change the world. And I sort of wholeheartedly believe that. And um, that's kind of in my inner core. So whatever I choose to do, I think here on onwards, even if there's a pivot with this, I think it'll always be in the realm connected to education. I love that. That's a beautiful quote. <laughs> yeah, I love that one. All right. So we covered a lot of really great things, but I wanted to just stop and really highlight two things right here. Uh, the first is Agni Dance Company. So uh, Rachna briefly mentioned it. Um, she talked about this being, you know, part of her family. Um, this is, you know, a business within her family and she did work within this family business. Um, and their website is agnidance.com. That's A-G-N idance.com and the other thing is her talking about owning her own business um, we're going to circle back to it again later on in the call or the recording today um, but I wanted to just highlight that her business is called STEMology Club so STEM S-T-E-M O-L-O-G-Y and then it's dot club is the website. So dot C-L-U-B. All right, let's get back to the show. All right, my dear. Um, so I want to kind of cycle backwards a little mm -hmm. bit. Okay. And I'd love to, I, I want to hear a little bit more about that time where you're in India and you've decided I'm going to take dance lessons. Okay. I'm 20. Yeah. <laughs> 20 yeah. Something. Right. <clears throat> and, um, and obviously, you know, I have this like engineering type background, um, or education, like what was going on for you at that moment? That's, that's such a good question. And it's such a strange period of my life, which has led to which I didn't mention, I do have a professional career dancing as well. And da as a dance instructor, I continue to teach on weekends. Um, and right now through Zoom. So my class starts again next week and I teach adults and children now. So where where was I in that moment? So I had, you know, I had finished my degree and I, I was, I definitely had an opportunity to work at Intel because I had interned there and I had this great chance to start off this career. I think I could, probably couldn't verbalize it in my head at that time. You're in college, but there's probably just in the back of my mind, like this isn't an exact fit for me. And it, it never was. Today, I think things are different. I think if I were to go through college today and be able to do an engineering degree, I would be able to bring in all those elements more clearly of my personality of being an artist and a teacher, perhaps all at once. That just wasn't the case then. And I, I, I think I somewhere inside knew that there was some disconnect. And so when I finished yeah. this degree, I just, and I, I think I was just looking for that escape and I was at my best friend's wedding. Um, something about this artist who I had seen once in the U S I've only seen her once. It's possible that 
there was a freedom in the movement. It was something you own completely of your own self. And there was a spirituality in the dance that kind of saved me from myself. So when I went to learn from her, it wasn't, it really wasn't just about the dance. Gattak was sort of a byproduct. Learning the dance form was a byproduct. But she was sort of like a spiritual guide. And maybe I just kind of sensed it, like connected with her. Um, and yeah. whatever sort of centering that I needed, the post-college centering, maybe that's just the phase it was in, happened by doing this art form, which I still continue. It, it's a form of a practice for me that way, like as one might be for yoga or mm-hmm. uh, meditation even. I practice right. that because... It is something that I have and I own to myself and I do it for myself. I do perform as well, but I most often do it for my own self and for the love of it. So that's kind of, you know, I got there and I just said, I don't know what. I said, I'm going to do this. And I can't believe I called my parents and said, I'm not coming back. They were freaking (laughs) out because I didn't speak the language of the city I was living, I was going to stay in. And I bummed with some friends who I barely just met, (laughs) but they were all in the realm of like this classical form. And I just used to dance every day and like practice. I guess that's what was going through my mind. A sense of freedom. (laughs) Freedom. That's, I mean. An inner freedom, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. That's beautiful. Mm -hmm. Um, Thank you. For those of us who don't know, could you try and describe Guttuck? Yes, yes. yes. That's a that's a good question. So Kathak is one of like the eight major classical Indian dance forms. I think you can think of its rigor and um, practice as being like one what one would see in a ballet, which can form Mm -hmm. a base for many other forms of learning. Kathak is almost like 2000 years old. It's like ancient. It started as purely a storytelling art form that wasn't Mm -hmm. necessarily performed with complete physical body movements, hand movements, facial expressions. So you tell these, uh, they often tell stories from Hindu mythology and they are depicted through different hand movements, facial uh, facial expressions. And then there's a lot of quick pirouettes in Kattak. It's a very fast art form. You wear bells on your ankles. Those bells mm-hmm. could be like five pounds, you know, it's so like wearing ankle weights, wow. dance barefoot. <laughs> yeah. Dance yeah. barefoot. So, so there, I think that also speaks to the, you know, maybe that concept of perseverance. I just, I don't know that I saw it that way, but all these elements have helped build to where I'm at. And mm. so Guttak is a rigorous art form. The other part, which does tie into engineering and why, possibly why it would have gone that way is it's, it is thematical. It's got a very solid beat structure. Um, each different mm. rhythm cycle varies in numbers. So you've got to do some of the math kind of intrinsically as you're dancing to know if, if you're dancing without a structure, you have to know where to end on time. So you're always keeping these, these beat cycles in your head. So yes, I guess that is kind of the math side of me does come into that. Sure. Then. That's how it can Yeah, so almost that, like the patterning of... Patterns. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, very so. So I hope that if anyone's listening to this, you know, Google Guttuck, K-A-T-H-A-K, and check out some fun videos. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> Are there videos of you like online? Can we see it? Do you want to see I think it? there are. Yeah, <laughs> sure. I mean, I I think I do have, you know, that's so funny. I'm so good about doing everyone else's content, but I probably have a handful of videos. I think I feel like when I was dancing with more, I was performing more in my like 20s and early 30s, which, you know, then I was, um, I had a lot more content and it wasn't very like 
it wasn't a big thing to put it on social media, I guess. Right. At least in my twenties, right. it wasn't. So I don't know. I feel like I've got like one or two that are online. I used to perform live, but there's only one or two online. Right. All right. So, so you have this time where you explore, it sounds like a spiritual and artistic side of yourself. Very and, much so. Yeah. And then from, from that experience, you then, you know, you went back to school, you have your time with, um, with Intel that, that six year mm-hmm. kind of, I would say period, but it, it's a long chunk of time. Um, for it was, agency. yeah, it was 10 years, actually six in software and four in marketing. So like a decade yeah. Intel. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, I'd love to hear what was happening when you decided I've been doing engineering and I'd like to explore marketing. Was this an, an effort to expand upon skills? Like what, what were you thinking for yourself yeah. in making that move? Yeah, that's like a, that's a really good thought process there too, because it's like, what happened? <laughs> what made me do that? Um, because yeah, I, I had just spent, you know, so many years in this computer education that I, in strictly in software. And I was really good at it. And I, I did enjoy it. I love the problem solving. I love coming up with these algorithms. But I think the point, I remember this distinctly, year six of, you know, software engineering, I, I found myself that, you know, the part that I loved the most was connecting with people and, and talking to them. And that over time, it just sometimes can be the nature of the job. Again, I think it's different in different companies and where you're at, mm-hmm. in, at least from my position, it started getting a little isolated. Um, and sure. I remember owning my own software. I had my own product that I had. I was not only like the designer of it. I wrote all the program, the code for it. I worked with a customer, wow. but I was siloed at one point. And um, I started just feeling like I need to change this. This was not entirely in connection with my personality. And I felt like that, you know, I needed to experience something different. I needed to try to expand on a different skill set. And at least within Intel, they had, you know, a method to explore different roles. So there were ways you could do it without doing your job. You could experiment with different uh, different kinds of careers within Intel by doing it for like a three-month stint or four-month stint. But I knew that I was ready for like a complete change. And mm-hmm. And when I say complete, I still think it was still safe because I was within Intel. I was right. able to get this technical marketing. It still very much required my software and computer graphics knowledge to go into this role, but it, right. it moved me aw- away from the day-to-day coding and just constantly being in front of that screen. I was kind of craving that interaction with people, a little more interaction. And this gave me the chance to still you know, enjoy and love being that technical person, but kind of solving people's problems and being feeling a little more connected to what was happening in the company in this large yeah. Intel, which doesn't always happen when you're in like one piece of software somewhere in the world of Intel. So yeah, that that's kind of how that happened. I mean, and actually hearing you share that it and thinking to even your time in London and the importance that uh, of connecting with people, right? And, and how that was difficult for you. And you kind of had to use that energy in other ways um, yes. to, to, to connect. It sounds like you were already discovering that side of yourself, right? That human connection 
and yeah. feeling like you were supporting other people is an important part of your value system. It, absolutely. Yes, absolutely. Like you, you nailed it. I think that ability to, um, of service almost, I think mm-hmm. that's how I put it. This, this feeling of duty and service to others. Um, and, and that probably really boils down. It goes back even further to just my upbringing. And I think that's where some of those deeper notions come from, maybe is your family, um, how you've grown up. And so, yeah, this feeling of like being able to help others, to be of service to others, to um, teach. You're right. It kind of, that does all connect. You're right. I think that's, I I mean, I I find that to be a really, um, a beautiful quality that you have within yourself. And I mean, I've seen that and we'll kind of get to it. Um, when, we, when we talk about um, our time Thank together. You. But yeah, I just love that overarching theme that seems to be appearing even while you're at Intel. Um, yeah, thank you. Yeah. It's beautiful. All right, guys, we're going to take a quick break and then we'll be back with more of Rachna's story. Hey, guys, I am going to talk to you a little bit about crystal palette management. If you are looking to make a change in your career, or let's say you're a business owner and you'd like to give your displaced employees a leg up on their job search, I can help. I'm Ashley, the host of Pivot Masters Podcast and owner of Crystal Palette Management. CPM will write custom resume and cover letters, LinkedIn profiles. We even have custom email templates to help you throughout your job search journey. I also offer one-on-one and group career coaching. So if you need a little help getting through this next leg of your career journey, I'm here for you. I started CPM in 2016. We are operating and growing and I would love the chance to help you out. So feel free to reach me. You can follow the link in the description of our episode today or go to crystalpalettemgt.com. Listeners of Pivot Masters podcast get 10% off of their purchase with CPM if you just say Pivot Masters. I look forward to working with you, and I can't wait to hear more about your career journey. Thanks so much. Let's um, let's go backwards a little bit here. Um, so we were we were talking about that that ten year span, um, with Intel, and then you ended up in in London and. There's this period of time um, where where you're a new mom, you're in a new country, and it's not your first time in a new country, but still. Yeah. <laughs> you're in a new country, um, and you're starting to teach your daughter. Was this something that you were aware of as it's happening, or is this something that later in reflection, you're recognizing this is a skill that you're developing? it's definitely the latter. It was like more in reflection because as a parent, that's our job. That's just job. Sure. Number one is to 
to feed, keep their toes and fingers mm-hmm. intact, you know, basics, <laughs> the necessities. And then the, the other is just teaching. And that happens just, uh, that's just natural part of every parent. But I think when I, when I reflect back on it, um, and, and that's, that's when I noticed that maybe there was a method to that madness. And that's what was some of the variation. And also the fact that, um, I never stopped talking about everything that was happening. Like I didn't brush it off as a, yeah, yeah, that's great. I think that was one. Maybe I do that with my second one, but (laughs) 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 he learns everything from his sister. For her, it was a circumstance as well. Like I said, that I was not as much interacting with others. Plus I didn't, I wasn't working full time in, in, in a fixed role. So it was a kind of a beautiful opportunity for myself and my daughter but then when I that's what I meant when I was on the streets of London if anything was happening I had this tendency to go directly into the stem route of explaining everything it was always like a science there would always be tech engineering or some kind of math (laughs) principle and that's I think when you look at when you talk about it as looking back that's really the, the the reflection that I have is that my way of going about and explaining and talking about things often was it would have that beauty and art, but it was always tied to some STEM discipline. And, yeah. you know, like, why did that thing fall over? Well, soon enough, it was like I was talking about gravity and she was mm-hmm. like two and she probably <laughs> didn't care. But I don't know. I just liked explaining it. And then, or, you know, why is that thing moving? Inertia. I, I don't know why I'm telling her about inertia, but I like talking about it. And she liked <laughs> listening. <laughs> yeah. So that's really where, yeah, probably kind of a, a realization. Looking back, I realized that that was sort of prepping me for this space that I'm in. I I want to add to this. Um, so for anyone who's listening who has not met your daughter, um, she's a very naturally curious individual. Um, and yes. I, I haven't seen her in a number of years. I only briefly met her um, years ago, and I'm confident that this is a quality that she still possesses and will carry on with her. <laughs> yes, <laughs> because yes. it's just so it's constant with her, right? Like there's a difference. You know, all kids have curiosity, but her curiosity um, dives a lot deeper than the average kid for for her age when when I'm for her age, age, right? maybe five Five. Yeah. yeah she was five yeah 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 you know that's that's an astute observation and I think that also led me to feel that um yeah I think this can happen with with all children because mm-hmm. children are in, for sure having my own child helped me see a close-up version of what happens it's very different than um experiencing it firsthand and plus I had no teaching background like I wasn't necessarily in a classroom I think an educator has a firsthand view on that as well when they're interacting I think prior to my own kid I didn't really have that um, view of it there's Mm -hmm. occasional um, volunteering work that would happen in classrooms and whatnot science fairs and things that we would do this was very different and that's when um I realized, like looking at her, I was like, well, for sure she's curious. All children are curious. They are. And that's one of the lovely things about it. And possibly why I moved away from working with adults (laughs) is they they love, they're so curious and they have unending questions when you answer them too, you know, and you answer them honestly, like sometimes the answers are, I just don't know. And you, but, but I think the key was not leaving at it 
it at, I don't know. It was always coming back with, well, let's figure it out. And that's what, you know, I thought if I could do this with her, I felt that was when I started feeling like, well, maybe I could try to share this little bit of me, a little bit of knowledge with other children as well. And yeah, that's a, that's a really good point. She is very curious. And um, I don't know that I can take credit for that, but whatever I've learned from her as well, I hope I can help other kids learn. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, I want to, I want to take a moment and actually move us forward. I, I know we're kind of really glazing over some things, um, but I want to move us into your time in Austin. Is that mm -hmm. okay with you? Perfect. Yeah. Great. Now, you, you already have plenty on your plate. You have a small one at home, right? There's just plenty happening here. And then you decided, <laughs> hey, let me work at this summer camp. <laughs> well, like, did you, Nobody put it like that. <laughs> <laughs> like from the outside, right? Like there's already enough um, to keep you busy. Right. Um, that's a very good point. I don't um, know. I, 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 that's a, I, that is the core of who I am is like, I yeah. can't sit still and, but I don't know it. I don't even know when there's enough on my plate. And that would be one of those instances where I had been, I had been working with, um, Agni more, more formally, Agni dance company and the catering was more just like, I used to help on the side kind of stuff. Sure. Um, and it wasn't as much uh, as involved, but raising the, you know, my curious little scientist that was involving, that yeah. was really time consuming, especially because, um, my husband was, you know, he was traveling a lot at yeah. that time and internationally. So he was gone like a week or two at a time, you know, if you'd be in Europe. So yeah, there was a lot going on, but I don't know. I just still felt like I, I felt this still a gap. And, um, with, with the dance company, it was still, it wasn't consistent. It was a little bit all over the place. It depended when a project came in or when the session was in. Now, the reason why the summer camp happened was there was a break and we had a break over the summer okay. and I couldn't sit still <laughs> and I didn't want to wait till fall semester when wow. I would be teaching and running the software. And I was actually the academy director for the company for a while. Mm -hmm. And that summer that I worked for IE Tech, there was a break from the mainstream um, academy. There were still projects going on and summer activities, but they weren't as intense as the semester. I came across IE Tech because I was looking while I loved working at Ugly Dance Company, what the part that I was missing of me was the technical part. Yeah. So I, I was always battling the art and tech sides of me consistently, like through my life. And I, when I saw ID Tech, I was like, okay, this would help fill that space for me where I want to have this technical component, but I loved teaching. And I, mm -hmm. I learned that through be it dance or art or tech. I loved doing that. I loved interacting yeah. with children specifically. And I found that by teaching, you know, I was teaching uh, Bollywood dance at Gatta. So when I got, I had actually applied for the teaching role and I thought, you know, this would be a good experience for me and a chance to connect with kids and learn from them as well to see mm -hmm. what they're, you know, kind of where they're at. And ID Tech was like mad organized about everything. So <laughs> it seemed totally doable. Yeah. Yeah. So that was where I, that's where my head was. <laughs> I love that. Um, so I'd like to hear a little bit about what from that experience, I'm not digging, I, I don't need compliment. I'm saying like what from that experience for you, like had this lasting impression and led you in the direction that you're in. Yeah, no, this, it definitely was the pivot point because 
But what's interesting, it wasn't it wasn't long. It was only that summer. Yeah. But it was enough to create this change and impression in my mind. And so for one, when I, I think when I had the opportunity to do so, one, being in a director role, that was such a good call on your part. I was probably best suited for that, mm-hmm. especially because um, it was neat to see how children were relating with the younger staff. It's And everyone has their place, but for a camp, I think that was like the right call. And where I was at in the director role, let me see everyone and everything and really enjoy that learning. I got to enjoy the learning of other students by observing. And I used to dive into the lessons too, but when I wanted, that was the second thing I learned. I am best suited for that intermittent style of teaching, not necessarily the nine to five. Um, I, I, my God, hats off to the teachers they deserve a billion dollars a year for what they do yes you know i could i can do it in that more of an after school or sort of a short-term kind of activity or extracurricular um but that was the other thing that i learned by serving in in this particular role but what i i what i kept on thinking when i I remember when after i got the job the first thing my mom said to me after i talked was speaking to her she said i told you and she said i told you from the your first semester in college that you are meant to teach. And I was like, no, no. And I you know, <laughs> fought it for the next decade and a half. <laughs> and she said, I, and it kind of all circled back. She had always, my mom was the first to always say right from the beginning, she's like, you have a natural talent, but I, you know, they're your parents. So you kind yeah. of like, yeah, you're going to say that, you know, I don't <laughs> believe it. I just, I was like, you're just, you're my mom. So I never, you know, but she was right. When I got to this job, my parents came out to support me because um, I needed to be there from the, you know, the six to six or whatever it was. Yeah. And no, there wasn't anyone for Leia and I didn't have her in a summer camp. I hadn't thought it through at all because I got the job. I was like, I got the job. And I'm like, oh, but I have a kid and she's not old enough to be the camps yet. So um, my mom and dad flew out and they watched her for the summer because one, I really wanted to do this. But secondly, my mom just, she was like, this is your calling. And I kind of found it through this. And I, by, by doing it is how I learned that I really, really loved it. I loved working yeah. with the staff. I loved working with the kids. I just love the tech toys, to be honest. I love the tech toys. <laughs> <laughs> love the tech toys too. Yeah. And, and, and I would like to say, just um, reflecting on our time together, I, you are an incredibly organized, thoughtful, looking ahead individual. One of your great assets is the ability, foresight, right? You just have the ability to kind of unfold think events that have yet to happen and see <laughs> where we need to plan, right? Where we're missing a step, where we're, we're, we're wow, thank you. needing something. Um, Tell my husband that, please. Tell him that. <laughs> Because that's what I I feel like I'm trying to tell them that every day. I have the gift of foresight and what our children are about to do next. <laughs> it's usually breaking some. But yeah, no, you're. Thank you. I I really really appreciate that. And I think that that might be the the engineer slash sure. detail oriented person in me that kind of all that mishmash worked really well at ID Tech, especially with yeah. how checklist oriented, how organized it was. It just was such a great fit. I agree. I mean, your time there, you know, I've had plenty of people um, work there as directors who've never 
worked for for that company. Um, so it's not unheard of to just hop into a management role um, within that company, but there was a different tone about your style of, of how you approach things. And it was clear that, yeah, you had this engineering background. You could relate to the staff on a deeper level. You understood on a different level um, some of the, the difficulties of the positions that they had as well. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, was, I, I guess I, I wouldn't have known that if, you know, I didn't have that chance to do so. And then mm-hmm. I learned about myself as well was where I I enjoyed being was in that kind of um, leadership role. And I never even thought of it that way. You, I mean, I guess I was, I was the academy director at Agni as well, but it was like a different sort of um, being there, I guess. There was, the, the staff was, it tended to actually be people like myself. They were not necessarily full-time doing that. They sure. were there, they were, they, most of them actually were working full-time in some sort of corporate company. And they used to come to Agni because they loved dancing and wanted to teach. Yeah. So it was, uh, it was a little bit easier. They were there for their own reasons. And right. they wanted to be there. They wanted to teach and stuff. So I mean, working with the staff, same for them as well. They were all there excited to be a part of this. Mm-hmm. But working with the younger staff is very different in how yeah. you um, kind of work with them, educate them, same with, the, with little kids. So it was refreshing. Okay. That would definitely work, yeah. It was yeah. fun. So we go from this moment of you're you're working that one. I mean, it's quick. If you don't know, it's 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 fast. It feels much mm-hmm. longer than it is because the hours and kind of the, short. the pace of it mm-hmm. is <laughs> it's intense. But it, it happens quickly, right? It's pro- most places are about six weeks long, mm-hmm. um, and then you hop into that next phase that you mentioned, that inspiring educator. Um, phase of your career. And I, I feel like that kind of answers for us what's on the future, like what's on the horizon for you, um, and what's happening right now. So I'd love to hear what's, what's happening there. Give us a little more detail. Yeah. Like I guess how that, you know, what I bridge that path. I remember being at Ivy Tech and wanting to Mm -hmm. actually work at Ivy Tech, but, um, literally two months after being at Ivy Tech, I was pregnant with my second one. So yeah, yeah. a lot of my life shifted quite drastically. Um, and I kind of, again, put that on pause. And I think that part of that has been, has been that uh, I always felt that need and importance of being there for my my littles when they were little, because I felt like I was their first educator. I had to be their first educator. So yeah. I paused. And I remember thinking I wanted to work for ID Tech, or I, I remember looking at all the Ed tech companies, actually. I started researching ed tech companies and thinking, I want to work for an ed tech company. That's how we figured it out. And I was like, I think this is a space from like looking at Sphero and Osmo um, from from product side to more of the curriculum. I detect the camps, curriculum designers. But being pregnant, that kind of, and with a traveling husband sort of shifted what I was really going to do. Um, I kind of took the next, uh, probably those- Did you move- while you were pregnant or was it right yes yeah i moved while i was pregnant so once i was pregnant pretty much i was like almost in my eighth month yeah can't believe they let me on the plane yeah Yeah. i moved in that um eighth 
just towards the close to eighth month to Phoenix. And right before I yeah, left, not down the road. Like no, yeah, not the road. It was just so it was just I worked at ID Tech. I was pregnant. A couple months later, I moved to Phoenix. And just yes. before moving to Phoenix, I remember thinking there was a sense like when you're when you're pivoting and changing, like wondering, like I didn't know what to do or where I belonged. And I thought that this is what I was gonna do, but now I was pregnant. And um I I remember going, okay, what am I going to do next? And someone called me, someone from St. Andrew's Episcopal. He was a friend. He was a friend who knew me through my Agni work as dance work. I used to do, um, I used to MC this stuff. And he only has ever seen me as an MC for programs. So he like doesn't really, like he knows about me. He offered <laughs> me just straight up off the bat. He offered me a position and um, as an academic director of extracurricular activities at this private school and that was the first time I was like wow someone would actually hire me without any kind of you know with like my four-month stint at you know ID Tech I guess this is of some value and after moving to Phoenix I couldn't take the job because I was moving to Phoenix and after coming here it just solidified my idea that confidence that I could do this. And I, I didn't start right off the bat. I mean, I did get here. I had a newborn. I had, I, I waited out till he was about one and a half and I had to get my pieces in order, like who's going to take care and how's this all going to work out? Typical stuff. When I felt like things were, again, there's that organizer side of me. (laughs) When I felt like those pieces were in place, I, I sat there, this was, this was 2018. And I was going, okay, wait, I have no idea what to do. I just know I want to do something in education. And I just wanted to, I started looking for jobs and I was nervous. I had that typical, um, you'll hear this, especially with women, where you have this tendency to want to have 90% of the um, qualifications of any role. And this is a, this is something that I'm, why I know this is because this is something I work with now, especially in STEM education and I focus on girls and women in STEM education. I now know this of myself as well, because I always felt like I had to hit 90% of the qualifications and my, the male counterparts were ha- hired at like 60%. So I just, if we don't apply, they won't know. So I never right. applied for anything. <laughs> That's where it was at. And I ended up after speaking to a, a career coach, I got some, like, I needed to have that, you know, centering and that career coach really helped me kind of find myself. I just said, you know, forget this. It was December of 2018. I spoke, I had been working with the coach for just a couple months, December, 2018, three days before the end of the year, I just incorporated the company and I had no idea what it was. I just said, I want to teach something. It's going to be STEM. I know I can do this. Yeah. And I called Stemology Club and I just kind of went for it. And I knew unless I put something in place that was going to force my commitment. I knew I wanted right. to teach. I started there and I started with what I knew. I knew circuits, I knew coding, I knew tech. And that's the starting path of 2019. The easiest place to start for me was my own kid's school. And that was like mm-hmm. a no brainer. It's a school I had been volunteering. I used to teach anyways, you know, like parent, te- I guess parent sure. teachers come in that happens often in schools that will ask parents to come in to do something. Since I had already been doing that, it was so easy. They just said, yeah, just come on. And so I started offering this as a formal company, as a class. And that's the starting point. That's kind of how it grew. And, and I took that, that first semester of 2019 to discover, is this really what I want to do? Like, 
I loved it. And that's when I found out I loved writing the curriculum. I loved, I loved the unpredictability too. I liked walking in and knowing that I always went in with a mindset. And I think ID Tech helped me with that too. Like this day isn't going to go the way we thought because they're kids. <laughs> yep. <laughs> and when you walk in like that, and embrace it as a form of learning. It was so fun. We just weaved in all the craziness into that lesson of the day. So um, I found that I was fairly creative with that. And that's kind of where it started off. So if I'm understanding correctly, it sounds like Stemology Club collaborates with public schools. Is this That's right. That's right. So I, that's where I've started. Um, and it's just, you know, 2019 beginning and then it it shifted with how 2020 was kind of a a gap with everything happening, but for that's, that's how it started was working with the public schools or charter schools or any kind of schooling system specifically. Um, and not necessarily ending with that, but that's where I started because they have all the protocols in place to allow for an after-school program. But the hope was, the ultimate hope was, this should just, whatever teaching is happening should be mainstream in their class. You know, that's that's my, the ultimate goal would be, I don't need to be there. It should just be something that's part of mainstream learning. At the moment, if you want to do a robotics class or you want to do something, let me step back. I'm teaching so that people know um, it's K through six, really, or K through eight, mm-hmm. mostly K yeah. through six. So you you see a lot of these programs in the older ages, they're scattered for the younger age group. And you see them a lot, but they may or may not be at your school. So I found in my region, at least starting locally, not all the schools had these kind of programs available to them. Mm-hmm. And so I wanted to create an opportunity to offer that after school and maybe kind of shift the mentality of both the families and the educators there to say, oh, hey, you could do this, you know, in school hours too. But that's where it started then. And it started to teach K-6, um, with with tech tech and engineering because that's what I understood. Sure. Yeah. So I I think this is a good point for us to ask you if if you want listeners to find you and if so how do you want to be found? Um the easiest way to find me is maybe through my website which is uh stemology.club www.stemology.club or you could find me by my name, um, rachnamathur.com, which probably will be on the podcast too. So that's where you can get a hold of me. Um, I am, you know, I want to make Stemology Club a nonprofit. I'm converting that with the hopes of having the grants um, help provide the funds for it so that these kind of programs can reach a wider audience and greater schools um, in places that maybe couldn't have received that. Also, to fund the equipment and tech that the schools require. Right now, I bring all the tech and equipment with me, but the hope is that this can reside within the school. And then the next phase for me has been not only the uh, after-school kind of programs, the, the next phase I'm looking at is one, how do you make this mainstream? But second, train the trainers. That's the new space I'm getting into, is training yeah. the trainers. So the, the first one that I did was I um, wrote a course on how to teach AI and robotics with literature, through literature to K through six. And we taught that to outgoing ASU educators last summer, post COVID, right? So we were supposed to do it in person. We turned it into a teachable course. I didn't know we could do that, but you know, when you push comes a shove and you're under pressure, and apparently I like that, I just crammed it down in three weeks and made it, but it was 
beautiful. We have like 70, 80 students registered and they're taking these techniques to their classroom. And so that's the next phase for Stemology Club is how to reach a wider audience. I mean, you're kind of hitting on something that's really big right now, right? Is we're seeing nationwide and, and other countries as well where educators aren't often given the resources um, or or the, the training or both to feel comfortable with technology, right? And some mm-hmm. do, and I'm not trying to discredit that there is a population of educators that are just rocking this virtual situation right, right now. Right. But um, there is clearly a, a gap between our current tech abilities and mm-hmm. how we're executing that in our school system here in the U.S. I can't speak for other countries, but here in the U.S., there's yeah. a clear discrepancy. Do you see yourself trying to contribute to the larger scale of like doing in services for teachers um, just across? Yes. The- yeah. And this, yeah. this is where I think being a, a, as you call it, a career pivoter, um, just this because that, that isn't in my mind, I feel like there isn't, while well, I started Stemology Club, I think that I would grow to like more of this, maybe even a consulting side or this mm-hmm. teach the teacher. I don't like calling it consulting. It's really train the trainers because while it started in teaching kids, it's kind of going with what the need is. And that's why I, when I, even earlier, when I talked about service as being the attitude in it, that's the guiding attitude even in this. And so last year, while I wanted to run classes in the fall, instead of doing so, I contributed my time to the current problem, which was, like you said, there was a gap in how do I use this technology to teach? So I offered my services for free to any and all educators that I connected with that needed help from the smallest thing of what could have been a mouse click to the larger scale, how do I set up my cybersecurity? Because what I found was everyone is it was just, it was a tough time. Like everyone knows that the schools were trying to do their best, but oftentimes the educator was left to their own in that single classroom, working with whatever tools they had. And sometimes just that one minute conversation is all they needed to fix it rather than 500 Google articles. So I just made that as a, as, as a path. So moving forward, I really do hope that I find a way. I don't know what that is yet. I really don't. I work with um, this Arizona SciTech Council over here, SciTech Institute, which connects yeah. into the schools. That might be my next path. They have a nice reach into the schools and ways to connect people like myself who mm-hmm. want to be of service. So yeah, if I look at what Stemology Club will be doing, they'll be teaching kids, they'll be teaching teachers, they'll be helping to kind of be a part of bridging that digital divide maybe, that digital gap that exists when it comes right. to um, teaching with these kind of tools. Yeah, that's that's a really, you nailed it. <laughs> Very good point. Um, um, so you've had a number of, of career pivots throughout your career so far. Mm-hmm. If you were to have an honest look at your future, do you suspect that there may be another pivot down the road? I would say 95% yes. <laughs> because, <laughs> and the reason I feel like I can say that with confidence now, that's the one thing I could say with confidence. What it'll be, I have no idea. But the reason I feel that way is when I look at my life path, both from personal, where I have lived across multiple continents, to you know, up and leave with a baby, to work in London yeah. and quit my job, to now this, to start a company, which I never thought I would start a company. And 
then you realize it's not as daunting as it is. But when yeah. before you do, it seems like this, you know, unachievable thing. It's way easier than that. Given all those steps along the way, I definitely feel that there will come a point within this, especially last year should tell us that, that the need to adapt, be flexible and change is just a necessary part of kind of going through this life. And so to pivot, I think almost is the only way. And if, as long as I have that in my mind, I will always find a way to find something to do or to like be it to feed myself or to be of service both ways in and out inside internally to myself and outwardly. Um, that's the only way that I feel like you can survive is adapt or die. <laughs> goes back to my, like my kind of rule, which has been from high school onward, it's been a little bit of an adapt or die. And, uh, yeah, so definitely what, what it'll be, I really do feel like it'll continue to touch upon the realm of education because because of my constant love for being able to teach. Will that be STEM? Uh, I don't know. I'm not sure which route it'll go. But yeah, good question. <laughs> I, I, you know, in hearing you talk about adapt, and, adapt or die, you know, I think what I hear is, is someone who's committed to a life of a growth mindset. And yeah, that's a much nicer right. way of putting it. You're right. <laughs> I, think my, I think my circumstances kind of lead me to say something like that because there, there have been situations, but you're right. It's absolutely the growth mindset and right. it makes it easier to kind of go through difficult motions in life, especially like last year when you go, well, I, I guess I'll have to be flexible and I'll have to change. I'm going right. to do it. Cause I don't, yeah. I literally don't have a choice. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Definitely. Like yourself, like you, same for you. Yeah, definitely. Um, <laughs> we don't know. You don't really, we don't really know what exactly six months from now is going to look like. Yeah. And that's possibly pushed uh, a lot of people to think differently then. Do you feel like from the different sessions you've had that it's the life circumstances that have led truly like create that mindset, that change, that pivoting mindset for the folks that were, you know, versus like, I, I, I kind of wonder like how much of a choice versus it just, you know, your circumstances. Um, like for me, it was, uh, it, that's just how my life has been too. Like from moving around mm -hmm. to adapting to new systems to, um, right. I got caught in the a national disaster you know, that really changed right. my mental outlook on things when you're stuck in like five feet of water and like you're cut right. off from the world. So I feel like circumstances kind of lead that too. Good or bad, you know, I don't know what to make it. <laughs> it's, they were not always the greatest circumstances, but they led to what they did lead to then. Right. Yeah, I, I do think there's an element of that for nearly almost every person I've spoken with for the podcast. There have also been um, people whose pivots are out of a almost a reaction from a, a bad experience, right? A bad employment or career experience where yeah they have you know just really toxic work environment or whatever whatever it might be that kind of really deterred them from like an entire industry, right? They were like, yeah. no more. <laughs> yeah, that's like a circumstance that kind of 
yeah. creates that then. Yeah. Okay. That's, that's, yeah. 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 I think there's, you know, career circumstances and life circumstances. I mean, even back to what we were talking about earlier was, um, with when I returned to school, right. I, my circumstances at home changed and they, I felt like yeah. I had the environment to pursue, um, this kind of, yeah. Yeah. An academically rigorous program. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I still can't believe you did that. That's just amazing to me. I I was like, I want to do that now. No, seriously. I was like, I'm going to do this PhD. Why? I mean, do I need to? (laughs) Not sure. (laughs) But I really want to. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it, there is, I I think for some people, not everyone, obviously. Right. But I think for myself and, and others, right. There's it, I probably do have a competitive element uh, <laughs> even if it's just with myself right like, yeah <laughs> no I totally get that I totally get it I you're yeah. right that's probably I think that's I can relate to that <laughs> and there's yeah, a little bit I, of crazy I, I feel like for me it's like a little bit of crazy like it's like oh, do that certification or I could do this thing or I could you know maybe just right. because the desire to learn also is there but I'll just I don't know maybe competitive with yourself kind of thing. That's a good way of putting it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I don't know that that's uh, true of every career pivoter, right? But I think, right. um, I think yourself and, and myself, right? Like we, um, although you and I have danced, huh, uh, we've bounced between um, the I arts and sciences. Oh, yeah. Uh, you and I have moved between different sectors of art and science, right? Yeah. And um, I, I think when when you meet people like that, because there are a lot of people like that, even historically, right? Like Da Vinci, I'm not saying I'm Da Vinci, right? But I'm saying like- Yeah. We have historical artists. Yeah, yes. there's, there's something about a, a very specific mindset of people who enjoy both that creative and analytical um, mm-hmm. thought process, where I think you have the ability to dance in and out of a lot of different options and you entertain, your brain is entertained by a lot of different possibilities. That's, yes, that's a very, it's like this wonderful, great thing. And then just trying to hone in on it too. <laughs> to figure out. So I do, yes, absolutely. That's so true. Try to find mm-hmm. a way to tether to the ground like tether exactly that's exactly yeah. it that's why i think that i would i would definitely have to pivot just because um yeah. this desire to maybe feed both sides and then use those skill sets or whatever it is on, on both sides of the brain i guess yeah <laughs> and then also i think that you, you'll see like in the next decade what kind of massive transformational changes are going to happen as a result of technology that'll enable a different way of doing things so that then it'll change your minds to go, oh, I could actually maybe do yeah. this thing. I don't know what that thing is, um, but I'll know in a decade <laughs> what it is. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah, yeah, definitely. Oh gosh, that was so much fun. I loved this conversation and I had so much fun recording it and getting to hear more about her story because it was, you know, um, we mentioned it in the interview there that I did interview her and, and, and I 
just I distinctly remember that interview um and <laughs> yeah there's there's not many people's interviews that stuck with me um but you know her experience and her adaptability and Rachna's um I I would say contagious enthusiasm um because when she's passionate about something it's it's hard not to just jump in with her uh, she she's yeah very uh yeah it's a it's a contagious enthusiasm in the best way possible so thank you Rachna for sharing your story I hope that everyone enjoyed listening hey did you know that we have a Patreon page? We do. Okay, so patreon.com slash pivotmasters. We're also on social media. Guys, please, I, you know, we get emails um, and and messages and, and so on from listeners just saying, hey, I'm really enjoying this show. Keep going. And I love that. That, gosh, that feels so good. And I cannot tell you how much we appreciate it. And when I say we, I mean the team because I screenshot those and send them to everybody <laughs> who helps me make the podcast a thing. So um, know that your positive words mean so much. And if you want to do something to help us out, please like and subscribe and share. Write reviews on Apple. Uh, go to patreon.com slash pivotmasters and become a um, subscriber. Donate to our uh, podcast because, you know, guys, this is a lot of work. Uh, we do it because we love it. We believe in the message and we're all very excited to be a part of this. Um, and the team is growing, but uh, yeah, we we bring, you know, bring all of this out of the goodness of our hearts and um, your support in any way possible is just means so, so much to us. So thank you to those who have sent us messages of encouragement and lightened our days. We really appreciate it. Thank you for all of our subscribers and everyone who listened this week. We will be back again next Thursday with another episode of Pivot Masters Podcast. Have a great day and We'll be back again soon.